let's kick off by reading Psalm 23. I know we all know it, but it's good to remind ourselves anyway. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, and as Nigel was uh, was asking me which verse I wanted to preach on really, I was, I was just kind of hit by verse four immediately. I think for me this whole year just feels like a big valley moment, um, you know, with everything that's happened with the coronavirus, with lockdown, not being able to meet as a church family, and of course, Sam's death a few weeks ago it just feels 2020 just feels like a, a massive valley moment um and I guess the thing I was I was struck by in verse four was how David shifts his language from from talking about God in the earlier section you know the Lord he makes me he leads me to actually talking to God you are with me your rod and your staff um and I really I don't think it's a coincidence that David shifts his language at this point in the psalm. You know, I think I think very simply, it's when we're in the valleys that we draw close to God. It's when we're at our darkest points, at our lowest points, our weakest points, that we most desperately cry out to him. And, you know, I think it's easy for us, actually, or at least it's easy for me to to kind of shift myself in my heart, you know, when I'm in a good and comfortable place to, to not really spend much time talking to God, to not spend my time prioritizing prayer, you know, it, it becomes kind of less essential in my heart, but then to go in when I'm in my desperate places to, to start crying out to him. It's so easy for me to make that shift in, in my heart, you know, and, I, and this Psalm tells us the good thing is that as immature as my heart is in that moment, in those moments when it does things like that, is that um, God in his grace still promises to, to be with us in the valley. You know, he's with us in the valley and he promises not to leave us. You know, if you read John 10, where Jesus, Jesus compares himself, the, the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. He compares himself to, to those who flee when the sheep are attacked. You know, and the reality is that people... Uh, people fail us all the time don't they even those we turn to for comfort in in those dark moments those valley moments will sometimes let us down or sometimes leave us or sometimes flee when things are at their worst but Jesus will never leave us our good shepherd is always with us and not only is he with us but this psalm tells us he's with us in order to comfort us how through his rod and his staff so like Cal said last Sunday, I've learned a surprising amount about sheep and shepherds um, this week. And it turns out that shepherds would have had these two essential tools, the rod and the staff. Um, and they're, they're both used for quite, different, for quite different reasons. And so I just want to take them and use them as a way of unpacking some of how God comforts us. So let's look at the rods first. And the, the rod would have been used for three things. So one for protecting the sheep. 
two for disciplining the sheep, and three for examining and counting the sheep. So firstly, we can take comfort from God's protection. You know, this rod would have been a short, um, a short stick, kind of like a club. Uh, it would have been used as a defensive weapon um, against any attacks on the sheep or, or the shepherd himself. And, you know, whether those attacks come, come openly, you know, big predators, maybe like the, the lions and the bears that David tells King, King Saul about in, in 1 Samuel or or maybe it's um, maybe it's the hidden dangers, and the shepherd would have used his rod, and he'd have beat the brush to hopefully scare any any snakes away, you know. And, and God does the same with us; He protects us from the attacks of the enemy, you know, whether they're the hidden dangers of the snake or the the open predatory like attacks of you know the roaring lion that's looking to devour us. Um, God protects us from the attacks of the enemy. And that, so that's the first thing we can take comfort in is God's protection. And the second thing that we can take comfort in is God's discipline, which, which honestly feels a bit funny, doesn't it? Because discipline doesn't very often feel comfortable. Um, it often feels quite the opposite. Um, but actually, it turns out that this is what the shepherd would have used their rod for most often to discipline the sheep so if a sheep starts wandering away from the flock if it starts getting too close to a hidden danger um, the shepherd would have taken his rod and he'd have launched it at the sheep and sent it scurrying back to the rest of the flock um, you know and we know from scripture don't we like Jesus in in Revelation he, he tells us that he, those whom he loves he disciplines um, and and I think actually we many of us instinctively know this don't we we see parents do it with their children all the time you know I was reminded um I was reminded of a time when we went to the Isle of Wight to see Katie's Katie's parents and we went with her her sister brother-in-law and our nephew Theo who was who was maybe like three or four at the time and we were going out to the beach one day and we had to walk along some some cliff edges to get down onto the beach um and they obviously they weren't the white cliffs of Dover kind of high, but they were, um, you know, big enough to at least seriously injure a three or four year old. Um, so we were walking anyway, walking down towards the beach um, and us adults were all kind of talking together in a group. And Theo managed to slip away with his football um, kind of unnoticed and running straight towards the cliff edge. Um, and thankfully, Mark, uh, Katie's dad, noticed and shouted at him at the top of his voice um, to stop. And the reality is that it absolutely terrified Theo. Um, I mean, it terrified me. I was stood right next to Mark, so I got, a, you know, I got an earful of Mark's loudest shout. Um, but it terrified Theo. You know, he was bawling his eyes out. Um, but the reality is that 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 moment of discipline, even though it didn't feel very comfortable for Theo, that moment of discipline from Mark, it stopped Theo in his tracks, you know, it's kept him from a danger that he wasn't aware of. And it drew him, it sent him running back to the group, running back to his, to his parents. And that's, you know, that's what we take comfort from, isn't it? Is that God's discipline is, is to keep us from danger. It's for our goods and for our protection. So one, take comfort in God's protection Two, we can take comfort in his discipline. And three, we can take comfort in the fact that he knows us, he examines us, he counts us as his own. 
so when um, it got to the end of the day and the you know the shepherd was bringing back his his sheep, he would stop them with his rods and he would intimately examine them. He'd check under their wool under their wool for any defects or wounds that weren't visible immediately, and then they would pass under his rod and he'd count them. And that's the way he'd know at the end of the day that he wasn't missing any sheep and that they were all healthy. Um, and you know, I think actually David, um, David really talked about this quite beautifully in, in Psalm 139. Um, he says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. And a little further down, he says, You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. You know, we can take comfort because God has examined us, He's searched us, and He knows us. He's hemmed us in with his rod. He's laid his hand on us, as that psalm says later, to check if there's any grievous way in us. And then he leads us in the way everlasting. So that's the rod. We can take comfort in God's protection, in his di discipline, and in the fact that he, he intimately examines our hearts. And then we get to the staff. And, um, and the staff really was uh, a symbol of kind of the care and, and concern and compassion that the shepherd had for his sh sheep. Um, so it would have been a long, thin stick. You know, I'm sure you've seen them in nativity type plays with a big old shepherd's crook, funnily enough, at the end. Um, and again, the, the staff had three uses. Um, so firstly, um, the shepherd would have used the staff to draw sheep into intimate relationship with one another. So, for example, if a, if a lamb got separated from its mother, the shepherd can't touch it with his hands, so he uses the staff to draw it back to its mother. Um, secondly, he would use it to, to draw the, the shy and the timid sheep to himself, those who'd run away. He'd use the staff to, to draw them to himself. And then thirdly, the one I kind of just want to look at to finish is that he would use the staff to, to gently, intimately guide the sheep through difficult and dangerous terrain. So he would take his staff, he'd lay it along the side of the sheep, um, and then the, the pressure he applied with his staff would gently guide the sheep in the way in which he wanted it to go. You see, in the valley, in those dark, you know, those difficult and dangerous terrain moments, God's leading us by his spirit. He's gently, gently intimately guiding us through and that's our comfort is that God is leading us through the valley you know the thing I've, I found interesting about this verse is that that David doesn't say even though I walk in the valley he says even though I walk through it you know it's always it's always a passing through even if the valley's long it's always a passing through there's always green pastures and still waters on the other side and that's true even if David you know, whether David means a, a dark night of the soul, a low moment by the valley of the shadow of death, or whether he's actually talking about death itself, it's always a passing through. You know, we're led through the dark nights of the soul by the gentle guiding of the spirit. And we're led through death itself because of Jesus' death and resurrection. You know, death has lost its sting. Jesus, our good shepherd, is with us in the valley he never leaves us he protects us he disciplines us he examines us examines our hearts he draws us to one another and to himself and he gently guides us by his spirit that we may have 
life and have it abundantly, that we may be made to lie down in green pastures and beside still waters, that he may restore our souls, that we may dwell in his house forever. So just before I hand back to Al and, and we pray um, or do whatever we're going to do, I just wonder if there's two groups of, of people here. Um, so firstly, maybe this morning you feel like this, um, maybe unlike me, you feel like this is a moment where you're in green pastures and beside still waters. This feels like a good and comfortable place. My challenge to you is, is to not let your hearts wander off from the Good Shepherd, to not forget the one who's led you there, to not talk too much about God without actually talking to him. Maybe some of you actually have already wandered off a little bit. You know, you're, you're definitely not in the valley, but actually you're not really in the green pastures anymore either. We just encourage you to draw yourself back to the shepherd, to let him lay his rod, you know, his staff, sorry, on your side, you know, his spirit and gently guide you in the way that he would. So that's the first group. And then, and then maybe um, there are those of you who feel like this is a valley moment um you know whether it's a dark night of the soul a low moment whether it's a cycle of sin that you can't get out of whether it's the fact that you or a family member or a friend is is quite literally staring death in the face um i just want to read this to you um and then i'll hand back to al um it's just a quote from a brilliant book that katie and i've started reading this week um which i'd recommend um, it's called Gentle and Lowly. Consider your own life. When the relationship goes sour, when the feelings of futility come flooding in, when it feels like life is passing us by, when it seems that our one shot at significance has slipped through our fingers, when we can't sort out our emotions, when the longtime friend lets us down, the family member betrays us, when we feel deeply misunderstood, when we are laughed at by the impressive, in short, when the fallenness of the world closes in on us and it makes us want to throw in the towel, there, right there, we have a friend who knows exactly what such testing feels like and he sits close to us, embraces us, he's with us. Our tendency is to feel intuitively that the more difficult life gets the more alone we are. As we sink further into pain we sink further into felt isolation but the Bible corrects us. Our pain never outstrips what he himself shares in. We are never alone. That sorrow that feels so isolating, so unique, was endured by him in the past and is now shouldered by him in the present. If you are in Christ, you have a friend who in your sorrow will never lob down a pep talk from heaven. He cannot bear to hold himself at a distance. Nothing will hold him back. His heart is too bound up with yours. Amen.